Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'll be talking about well-being. Now, you might think I'm covering well-being because it's something I'm interested in. It is indeed something I'm interested in. But what sparked this episode is that I went to see Nitin Sawney at the Royal Albert Hall and one of my friends who I went with said that part of the trouble with well-being is that at work they now worry about well-being and how to fit it in and whether they're doing enough and whether what they're doing is right and how do you fit it all in. It's a really interesting point that I thought was worth addressing. And it got me thinking um, about what well-being is, what it should be, what it means to people and how we can make it easy for ourselves. Um, And in this episode, I I want to just have a free-form kind of, you know, conversation, although it's one way, obviously, um, because I can't hear what you're saying to me until you sort of post things after the episode. But um, all the evidence-based stuff is as you know always in the show notes and the links and I'm not going to waste time going through a lot of that because you can read about that I want to sort of actually open up a conversation about what well-being means what it is and how we can achieve it I I like to start with definitions because I think people like those and it means that we have started somewhere concrete so the World Health Organization has a definition of health and it mentions the word well-being And it describes health as a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. What's interesting is that there's no one agreed definition of well-being. So it's a word that is used by the World Health Organization and lots of organizations. But actually, well-being itself is quite difficult to define. How do I define it? Well... I've looked at so many different angles when it comes to well-being and one of the things that you can you can google this and and you'll find something called the well-being wheel so there are loads of these and they're all a bit different and it's it's basically like a pie chart with eight areas that seem to constitute well-being so they're all pretty good I'll give you an example of one so this is one that I found online and the eight areas are community, mind, relationships, emotions, environment, spirit, learning and body. Hmm, not bad. Then there's one which goes like this physical, emotional, financial, social, occupational, spiritual, intellectual and environmental. Hmm, again, not bad. And I think, for me, the key thing is trying to 
apply whatever whatever wheel we choose is trying to apply it to yourself or your organization and to modern times so comparing those two the second one had some practicalities in there didn't it it had financial and occupational because money and work are both you know often big features of people's lives so obviously well-being is going to be intertwined in that i think also in in recent years the focus on well-being has changed so what i've noticed in the last 10 years so a lot of people actually just listening to the eight areas of those wheels i've just read out will be thinking hang on a minute there was no mention of diet um because so many people are so big on that but but actually i'll come back to that and why maybe that's not quite as important as we think um what i do think's happened in the last 10 20 30 years is that the focus of well-being whatever it may have been known as 20 30 years ago has shifted so currently it's very much centered around mental health and quite rightly so because mental health is a huge issue at the moment food diet the microbiome all of that stuff which is important has almost sort of taken a bit of a back seat um, when it comes to what we need to focus on and of course as many of you will know i'm very much of the opinion that all of these things are tied together so what's the best way to establish a good culture of well-being where you work or at home uh, or, or in yourself well i think the very first thing you know forget diet exercise and all the basics that, that people assume are the cornerstones of well-being they're important there's no doubt the first thing is actually the culture if you are working somewhere or living somewhere where the culture is toxic or stress levels are high it's going to be very difficult to enjoy any kind of well-being whatever the definition of that is and you can eat the healthiest diet and you know run across the south downs every day but you won't feel well so for organizations it's important i think to do some work on on values and principles uh so where i work we did some work a while ago and came up with four uh, pillars that we we really stand by which govern everything we do so they are quality community teamwork and respect now just think about that for a minute if you are working somewhere where those four elements are key a it makes it a very safe place and space to work and b essentially and secondly you have to buy into those four things they are almost part and parcel of the way we work and if you don't then well you probably wouldn't fit in very well and although at the moment i've never known general practice to be more busy and that we are certainly far from perfect as an organization i can hand on heart say that it is a happy place to work um it's just that there's too much of it too much work we do our best to look after each other and i think that goes a long way towards creating well-being so in a way in my head this is like a pyramid and that's the base but if you want to look at the well-being wheel you could call this environment so once you've got your culture the next thing is about behaviors within that culture and one thing that's really important to do is to check in with people just ask them how they are 
seems like common decency, doesn't it? Um, but we work in such a fast-paced world that that doesn't happen in a lot of places, certainly from what I hear. But it really makes a difference. You know, just inquiring about how someone is means that, you know, you're taking an interest in them. And it's, and it's more than just, oh, are you okay? Because that's not enough in my book. You know, you need to kind of know, find out a bit about their lives and actually take an interest. And, you know, part of well-being is about being human. And these basic things, you know, we're, we're animals that communicate and are used to communities. So let's really try and create that as much as possible. And I guess that could be an area of the wheel called community. And it doesn't have to be at work. It could be from parkrun. It could be from, you know, a, a particular group that you identify with. But work, we tend to spend a lot of time at work. So that's an important one. So, so far we've got culture and then we've got behaviours that fall out of that. So I'm going to go off on one, one of my famous tangents here because my brain works in such a non-linear way. I always sort of think of other things as I'm talking about one thing. And what I've just thought about are two things. Firstly, Emmy Werner's work. So if you listen to the episode on resilience, you'll know that she did some research on a group of children from an island called Kauai, which is part of Hawaii, um, and looked at certain factors that made them particularly resilient. Um, so have a listen to that one, because there, what, what you're seeing there is almost well-being in reverse, in that those children that had features of resilience um, actually had good well-being. The second thing is about the work of Bill Lucas and Guy Claxton, who are both professors of education. They're very much in the mould of the late Ken Robinson, who I believe still has the most watched TED talk of all time. And one of the studies that they cite in their book, Educating Ruby, is about a group of people who had left school within the last three years and what they wished they had been taught. In many ways, what they thought would prepare them for life. And it's fascinating. They wish they'd been taught how to create good relationships, about finances, about simple organisational and business skills. Now, you're probably thinking, what, what has this got to do with well-being? Well, quite a lot, because if you don't have a certain toolkit um, that you're able to use, and I, you know, in a way I hate jargon like toolkit, but you know what I mean, if you don't have the minerals for certain things, then you're going to struggle. And that struggle leads to anxieties. And I think one other important aspect of well-being is kind of, you know, some sort of gap analysis where you kind of think, what resources do I need to make life easier for myself? I'm not talking about stuff that costs loads of money or, yeah, certainly not talking about having a private chef at home or anything like that. What I'm talking about is the basics and actually the, the first well-being wheel I mentioned had learning in it and I think you know when you're a child you think adults know everything but actually we know that's not the case don't we that we're all learning lifelong so there's something about keeping up to date learning staying current that is in my humble opinion related to well-being Apologies, I do love the odd digression, but let me get back to the point. So it started, remember, because a friend of mine was asking about 
how they can make well-being easier at work and how well-being and, and actually being aware of well-being can cause stress in itself. So I touched on learning, but that's more about staying current and up to date. But what about personal growth or purpose? Um, I was talking to someone locally who runs a shop and he was saying how he doesn't really know what he's doing anymore because his kids have grown up. They're on their own two feet. They've got great jobs. Neither is settled with a partner, but he feels this emptiness, almost like he's got nothing to work for. He's in a very privileged position in some ways, but purpose slash personal growth, I think, is quite key to our well-being. I think in real terms, that means things like creativity or career development, or it could also be, you know, emotional growth in terms of self-exploration. I've had friends who've been on the Hoffman process or joined men's groups, um, and they found it incredibly helpful and life-changing then that brings us on to the obvious which is lifestyle choices now you know everyone knows that we're meant to exercise and eat healthily but we don't do it and if you go back to my first episode on behavior change there are some tips there on how to do these things better if you're struggling with it sometimes it's not that simple and again from the work of emmy werner and the children in Hawaii, there are certain things that program our behaviours as adults, you know, when we are young children. So experiences in childhood and adversity in childhood often lead to what's called the trauma pain addiction cycle. And that can sometimes be why it's so difficult to change our behaviours. We've all got these um, and it's a case of being more aware of them uh, so the lifestyle choices, sometimes it's not a choice. It's not just a, some people can do it. You know, they can literally just grasp the nettle, as I call it, and just say, right, that's it. I'm not smoking ever again. Or that's it. I've given up drinking coffee or I've stopped eating cakes, whatever. Great. If you can, it's harder for a lot of people. Um, but going full circle, that is made much more easy if you are in the right environment. You know, that culture building is key and if you're in a compassionate environment you can even have months or weeks or little groups that actually focus on well-being you know perhaps a month on sleep or a month on particular types of healthy cooking or starting a running group together there is something powerful about groups um, many practices run group consultations if they've got enough staff and again that power of community can improve your well-being so as i say all of these things tie in with each other it's never one thing so don't think for for a minute it's just about what you eat or it's just about how much you exercise or it's just about community or it's just about environment it, it's all of these things that give rise to our sense of well-being I mentioned mental health earlier on and how it's an enormous issue and certainly in my career, I've never seen so much mental health need as I am at the moment. So keeping with the fact that most of us spend quite a lot of time at work and that stress is a very common feature of working life, 
I wanted to just share with you something about what's called the cycle of resiliency. It ties in with Emmy Werner's work, but it's actually not by her. It's by Saidi and Saeed. And um, this is so interesting. What they say about any particular adverse condition. So if you're faced with something unpleasant or difficult at work, there are three ways that we can respond to that. Either erupting with anger, which I know many people who are like that, thankfully not at work anymore. The second is imploding with negative emotions where you just cannot react. And that also sounds familiar to me. And the third is just being upset about whatever it is that you're faced with and the really important thing is is that that third response of feeling upset is the right one it's the only one that promotes well-being and is what resilient people do so you kind of you know the first two being angry or just being overwhelmed with negativity is is not right because one blames other people and the other one means that you've given in to not being able to cope as in you're not even open to thinking that you might be able to. And I think in terms of where we're at in the modern world and evolution, the focus on the brain, I've been thinking about this a lot, the brain is neuroplastic. It can change. You can change your thoughts and that will change your feelings. And this is how therapies like CBT often work. Talking of which, actually, Aaron Beck who's often regarded as the creator of CBT, passed away recently at the age of 100, and I'll post a link to him. But those kinds of therapies and that kind of approach, or anything that changes your ability to think differently and handle things differently, you know, remember what I said about that response to the adverse event, is going to improve your sense of well-being. And then you'll be able to make better decisions about diet, exercise, relationships, community, all of it ties together. So I think in summary, what I would suggest at work is starting with culture and then adding on all those bits that we've talked about, Um, checking in with people, having team huddles, making sure that you are communicating, sharing, creating a community. You know, a lot of our learning comes from you know, listening to others talk about what's going on in their life. And again, I, I direct you to the first episode on behaviour change to just remind yourself about how that might work. Anyway, I hope that's been helpful and of some use. Um, what I'd like you to think about is what are you going to do this week to improve your well-being? And it, I want, it, want you to think really broadly. It doesn't have to be something super specific. It can be if you want, you know, if you think, hey, you know, I want to just change one of my habits, give that a go. But what can you do in your workplace that is a quick win, that is easy, that might just set things in motion? You know, is it a cultural thing? Is there something about the environment that you could change that might encourage well-being, even if it's having, you know, more time as a team, you know, even if it's just sort of checking in with people and, and seeing how they are? I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to leave you with a quick anecdote. Many years ago, um, one of my patients was moving away out of the area from where I was practicing at the time. And she had all sorts of symptoms. Her health was a mess um, to the point where she was um, 
wired and tired, really low, really depressed, very, very anxious. And for about a year, we'd been working through all sorts of areas in her life, movement and diet. And, you know, she was doing her best in terms of relaxation and purpose and, and all of that sort of stuff. One of the things I'd really not asked her much about um, was her environment. So she was a freelance designer, I believe. And about a year and a half after she'd moved away, she um, sent me a message um, via social media just to say that her life had greatly improved. And although she had felt significantly better um, by the time she'd left for wherever she lives now, she realised that actually the, the thing that was making her ill was her partner and the fact that she was in a really toxic relationship. And it was a real lesson for me because um, all of her symptoms had, had literally gone away overnight and then she'd sort of met the love of her life. And, you know, it, it's really odd because you wouldn't find anything in a medical textbook about that, about, you know, a, a, a toxic relationship making someone physically and mentally ill, mentally ill perhaps, but physically. I mean, and it, it just shows you how many determinants there are when it comes to well-being. Um, so I'm going to leave you with that thought. As I always say, I really, really love hearing from you, the comments that you make on Instagram or Twitter um, or my Facebook page. They, they really sort of help me generate ideas for future episodes. And also it means that you can take part in this as a conversation because this is all very one way, isn't it? So please let me know about your well-being tips or things that have worked where you work or at home. Meanwhile, do take care. And in the meantime, may you enjoy the very best of health. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.